If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with us to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to get into the Christmas story uh, today. And I've got a Bible study here to teach on uh, the wise men. Before I do, I just want to say here that uh, this is the time of the year that we honor the birth of Christ. And more and more, the world is pushing more and more of the worldly type Christmas upon us. You see it more, you hear it more, it's just in your face. And I don't know what we can do about it, except I just keep trying to raise the flag up that this is all about my Savior being born. And uh, Brother uh, Richie and, uh, came over the other day and yesterday and Friday, and Saturday it was, Friday, Friday it was, Friday and Saturday. And, uh, and uh, he and Harry, uh, Allison, uh, helped me with putting up some few lights out on the bushes. But I have a manger scene I put up. I always put up a manger scene. In my, I want my whole neighborhood to know that I know what Christmas is all about. So I have this manger scene. It's one of the kind that sort of blows up. You plug it in, it blows up. And it's, you know, like, like that. It's just something. Before that, I had something else. And before that, I had another one and all that stuff. They wear out, you know, over the years. But I always have a manger scene. Amen. And uh, I may have a reindeer or two out there. have had in the times past some lights and so forth. But I want that manger scene to be out there because this is what Christmas is really all about. Uh, years ago, when uh, my daughter was about three, four years old, I don't remember exactly how old she was. Uh, I was in the, I was, uh, we were building a whole missionary church over on the west coast of Florida. And uh, my wife and I, had, and uh, I was working an insurance job in the, the side. And I had this uh, other insurance agent, he and I had gone out that one night at Christmas time, about this time of the year. Uh, we had gone out to uh, uh, to sell some insurance and so forth. And on the, when we got all through, and it's time to go home, he said, let's drop by this department store, something like a Target's. I don't know. It wasn't a Target, but something like that. And it was a big department store. Let's go in there, and I need to buy a few things, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, I need to pick up a few things, too, before they close. And so we went in there, and we were wandering around buying, looking for the things we wanted to get before we headed home. And there was a Santa Claus sitting in a chair and everything. And we glanced at him, and I said to, him, to my friend, his name was Jack, I said, Jack, I got to bring my, I got to bring Denise over here. I guess this is as good a place in to bring Denise and let her see Santa Claus. Yeah, he said, I got to bring, he said, he had five children. He said, yeah, I need to bring my my uh, two youngest ones in here and everything. And we went on shopping around there and got on and got and found the store closed and we got our items and got out just in time. They had unlocked the door. You know how it is. You unlocked the door to go out. And when we were going outside, there was this bum sitting over here on a chair stump or something. I don't know. He was just always a bum. And he was sitting there and we passed by him we didn't hardly even look at him. He looked at us. And just as I got past him about from here to that first pew, he says, don't forget to bring Denise in. I turned around and I said, I beg your pardon. He knew my daughter's name. He said, don't forget to bring Denise in. I turned around and looked at him and I walked back toward him. 
I said, how do you know my daughter's name? And he said, then as I was walking back to him, he said to Jack, and he said, and Jack, don't forget to bring your two children in. And when I walked back to him, I said, how do you know my children? He said, I'm Santa Claus. I was the Santa Claus in there, dressed in the Santa Claus suit, and I heard you guys say, you're going to bring Denise in, your daughter, and he was going to bring two of his children in. I said, oh, you're the Santa Claus that was in there. I said, yeah. And honey, I'm telling you, folks, that guy, he looked like he was a bum. We said, okay. We turned and we started walking away. We turned back and he pulled out a paper bag with a bottle in it and took a whip, took a swig, put the cap on, put it in his pocket. I took, looked at Jack. I said, there ain't no way I'm bringing my daughter here and sitting him on this guy's lap. But that's what we do. I said, I'm not, I'm not, that's no way I'm going to do that. And Jack said, me either. Forget that. I made up my mind when I went home that night, I was going to teach my daughter, there is no Santa Claus. There is no Santa Claus. <laughs> so I started telling her, honey, Santa Claus will make the brief. So I got in on it when she had already begun to see it and, you know, believe the Santa Claus and all of that, that he's the one that, you know, he's like Jesus Christ. He brings all the good things, you know, all the gifts and all the good stuff. And he does nothing. You know, he's just a, it's a fictitious character that we teach our children. It's a sad thing when you think about it. I had this purpose that I would tell my son when he, you know, after he was born five years later, I said, I'm going to tell my son when he gets old enough, there is no Santa Claus. So when he's about three years old, you know, I said to him, I said, I said, now, David, there is no Santa Claus. He says, no Santa Claus, no Santa Claus. Remember that. Okay. We were downtown Panama City. And we were shopping for Christmas. And there's a ding-a-ling-a-ling sound going over here just a few, few, several feet away. And he pulled on my coat like this. Pulled on my coat. I looked down at him. And he pointed over there. And there's a guy in a Santa Claus suit <laughs> dingling the bell. And I had said, there is no Santa Claus. And he was saying, there he is, Dad. <laughs> there's Santa Claus. And I said, oh, okay, I got, I got it now. I did the wrong thing. I said, there is no Santa Claus when there are Santa Clauses everywhere. They see them, you know. So I had explained to him, these were guys dressed in suits to look like a Santa Claus. Well, who is the real Santa Claus they're all trying to imitate? You know, that kind of thing. And that's fictitious. It's sometimes hard for kids to grasp that. But anyhow, we all try to somehow or another keep Christ. So I'm going to encourage all of us here today just not forget what Christmas really is all about. It's about Jesus Christ and the birth of Christ, him being born in this world. Somebody has said, was he born on December 25th? Uh, we don't know what date he was born on, but he was born. Praise the Lord. So we pick a day, we celebrate his birth, and that's what December 25th is all about, is celebrating the birth of Christ because he was born, he did come to this world. Praise the Lord, and he was born uh, in this world that we live in. All right, God bless you. I want you to turn with us to Matthew chapter uh, two and look at verse one. And uh, there's two gospel books that record the birth of Christ. One is Matthew and the other is Luke. And the other two gospel books, Mark and John, began their gospel books with the ministry of John the Baptist and then, go, then goes into Jesus Christ's ministry. And uh, they do not mention the birth of Christ. <clears throat> uh, Matthew mentions the birth of Christ more from, uh, 
from Joseph's side, though Joseph was not the father of Jesus, as far as the world knew as a family intact, he was the head of the house, he was the daddy. And so because everything went through that male lineage uh, and the, the validity of it and all, they, uh, Matthew always uses Matthew, uh, uses uh, Joseph here in referring to him. He talked about the angel appearing to Joseph in a dream, not to fear to take Mary unto thee, you know, but that which is born of her is of the Holy Ghost, so forth. And he would speak to Joseph. When you read the book of Luke, uh, Luke talks about um, Mary's direct relationship with the angel, with God, and her experience with having the baby and so forth. That was the child born unto her. She was yet a virgin whenever she was conceived and yet a virgin when the baby was born. Her virginity after that, she was, of course, married to Joseph after that. They became man and wife as any other man and wife would be. And uh, after that, they had other children. I can show you in the Bible where they had at least uh, six other children. And Jesus was probably the, the seventh one, though he was not of Joseph. Now, I'm going to go into the second chapter because this is the point where it talks about the wise men coming uh, to where Jesus was. And here's what I'm going to read to you here. I want to talk to you today about God's guiding star. God's guiding star. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, he was, first of all, they acknowledged he was a king. And they acknowledged also that he was to be worshipped. You don't worship kings. You worship God. But they knew that this king was one that they were to worship. And so these men had come to do that. Now, I'm going to jump to verse 9. I'm saving time here to stay with my direct point. And that is God's guiding star. And I'm going to bring it down to where we are today. Look at verse 9. When they had heard the king... That is, these wise men, when they had heard the king, they departed. The king had told them, that when you find him, come tell me, and I'm going to go worship him. And he was lying, of course. But verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, <clears throat> until it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house... Notice here, Jesus was not in a manger here. They had seen the star when Jesus was born and had followed the star. And many or months had passed, I suppose, from where they probably had come from. Months had passed until they got to Jerusalem. And when they got there, Mary and Joseph and the baby now were living in a house. And it goes on to say here that when they got to the house, they saw the young child and Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now then it says in the next, well, the next verse, being warned of God in a dream, they went another way and never did not go back to tell Herod anything. Now, the reason I want to talk to you about the wise men here is because these men follow the star. I want to talk to you first of all who they were. 
these wise men. Now, we often see three wise men, and the reason is because there were three gifts mentioned, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there could have been more wise men. It doesn't say how many there were. I do want to read a verse of scripture because it was prophesied these men would come. It was prophesied. Look over in Isaiah, if you would, with us in chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. And uh, I'm going to read the first verse. Excuse me a minute. (coughs) Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Verse 6. Look at this very closely here. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, dromedaries which are riding camels of Midian notice here the the lands they came from Midian and Ephah all they from Sheba shall come they shall bring gold and incense and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord so notice here there are three uh, nations that they came out of this is interesting and may be another reason why that three wise men are mentioned rather than any, any more than that. Midian and Ephah and Sheba. Now I'm going to show you who these people were. If you have in your Bibles here, turn over to Genesis. Genesis chapter 25. This is a very interesting uh, section of the Bible here. This is to do with Abraham and had to do with his wife Sarah when she died. When Sarah died. She died at the age of 127, and uh, Abraham lived to be 175 years old, and he was still living. And it says here, then again, Abraham took a wife. This is after Sarah died, who was the mother of Isaac. Then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bare him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian. See, Midian there. And Ishbak and Shua. And Jokshan begat Sheba. So you've got Midian mentioned here, and you've got Sheba mentioned here. Jokshan begat Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Asherim and Letushim and Lehumim. Now look at verse 4. And the sons of Midian, Ephah. Ephah is the one that, or Ephah, either way you want to pronounce it, Ephah or Ephah is the other one. So when you look over in Isaiah, it says here that they came from Midian and Ephah and from Sheba. And it goes on to say here that the sons of Midian were Ephah and Ephah and Hanok and so forth. It gives the names of them. And altogether, there were five sons that Abraham had by Keturah. And the Bible says that he, he gave unto Isaac all that he had, verse 5, but in verse 6, and unto the sons of the, of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived eastward into the east country. Everybody understand here? So these three nations that are mentioned in Isaiah, not in, not in Matthew, but in Isaiah, they're mentioned that the wise men would come from and they would offer gifts and so forth were from these countries. These countries were parts of what today would be the, Ara- the Arabian world. Uh, Ishmael was the father of the uh, Saudi, Saudi Arabia. And then others is that of, uh, 
uh, Omar and Oman and uh, and uh, I can't think of all of them and the Arab Emirates and so forth. But there's different groups of these Arab nations that are in that area, and these men came out of that. Now, let me add one other factor here. In 520, 588 BC, the Jews were captured by the Babylonians and taken over into Babylon, which is in the land between the rivers of Tigris and Euphrates. And there they were in captivity for 70 years. After 70 years, the immediate Persians who had conquered the Babylonians in the meantime, then sent the Jews back to Palestine to rebuild their temple and their city and to have their own nation again. But there are many Jews who stayed over there. Also, these Jews had talked and, and showed scriptures and had talked to those other people over there, those they call the Magi, these wise men, and had told them about the coming of their Messiah. So they were probably men who had been studying it for years over the day. Now, let me show you where the star comes from. If you look in, uh, in Numbers 24, Numbers 24, And it says here, 24, 17. I shall, this is a, a prophecy that's going for us here, here. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh, that is near. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of of Sheth, which Sheth was the king of Moab at the time. And uh, it goes, so in verse 19, out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion. So it's a prophecy here of Jesus Christ coming and there would be a star involved and he would, of course, rise uh, up in the world and would be the savior of the world and so forth. So when these wise men saw the star, there was scripture already that was in the Bible. And whenever he had come, they came to Herod. Uh, Herod said, uh, well, where is this king going to be born? And the wise men in Israel went and got the Bible. They looked at Micah in the Old Testament prophecy. And they said, he's coming out of Bethlehem. where he's going to be born. It says so in the scriptures. Isn't it amazing how there's so much prophecy in the Bible is all about Jesus Christ. And so these wise men, when they heard about Jesus, they came to him. They fulfilled prophecy that they would come. Uh, they came and they gave them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, we know what gold is. Frankincense is a, is a spice that they use even in the, ta in the tabernacle when they would sprinkle it on the, on the altar of incense. It was called the altar of incense, and they would put that incense on that, uh, on that altar of incense in the tabernacle and give it a nice fragrance inside. And then there was uh, myrrh. And so forth. These were all very expensive spices and things that they brought to Jesus at that time. And I'm sure that it was very helpful in sustaining them in those early days because after the angel appeared again to Joseph, he fled into Egypt and went down and kept Jesus there until Herod died, which was at least one year. So they were in Egypt about a year. So they had means of which they could survive and live. And there was uh, financial support there and so forth. Uh, God's star will always lead us to Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about what the star is to us today. You got one in your hand. This is your star right here, folks. Let this be your guiding light. I want to, I'm serious. I want to talk to you about this because this is our star. 
And those men could have said, you know what? There may have been more. There may have been several of them that started out. And some of them said, hey, you know what? I don't know where this is going. I think I'm going to go back home. I don't know. It doesn't say anything about them. We know that, that some of them got there. We, and we're assuming there's three. So let's just say three. We know that three of them got there at least. Uh, there might have been more of them that started out. And they didn't, they didn't do it. Or there may have been others who looked at it and saw it and said, I don't want to make the journey. There could have been others that had looked at it and said, oh, I don't even believe that stuff, you know, and gone on their way. But there were some who found Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you find it all because Jesus is everything. Praise the Lord. And it will always lead us to Jesus Christ. And, and we need to find him and so forth. The Bible, which is our guiding star here, is loaded with all kinds of life principles to tell us how to get through life. It is a star that will guide you through your life, every phase, every aspect, everything about your life. If you will follow this star, it will lead you through this life that we are in. I'm uh, 83 years old now, and uh, God has been good to me. And he, I, he, I've gone through all kinds of situations, folks. I've seen everything in the world. I, you know, I've seen, I've had my world turned upside down. I've been so, my wife and I've been so poor at times that we couldn't hardly rub two nickels together. You know, the old fellow said you couldn't rub two nickels together without making the buffalo squeal. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, you know, and to reach up to touch bottom, all those statements and things you hear about. But you know what? God is good. Amen. God has brought us through. Praise the Lord. And he's helped us. And he will you and you and you and all of us because God will never fail us. Praise the Lord. It will always lead us to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will always have the hope that we have when this life is over with. He'll have the hope for us on the, even on the other side in this life and also in the life that is to come. So if we will follow the, the star of the that the Lord has put ahead of us, his word. It will guide us to every, through every situation and lead us to Jesus Christ and everything else. Praise the Lord. Uh, Warren Buffett, who is a uh, stock investor and one of the richest men in America, I guess he's uh, among the very top, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, I think, I don't know, $50 billion or something like that. I don't know what they're worth. Anyhow, way up in big astronomical numbers. But, but Warren Buffett made his money in the stock market, all in the stock market. And they interviewed him, and I saw an interview of him on, on TV here several years ago. They interviewed him and says, what, what is, how have you done that? What has been your key to your success on that? And I'm gonna quote you what he says. He says, I buy and sell stock based on principles. Principles I've learned to trust and rely on. They're principles I've learned to trust and rely on. And I follow those principles, not how I feel, not how I think, not how it looks out there, not what people are saying, but certain principles that he learned, that he followed, that he's been able to make his fortune and he lives by those principles. Praise the Lord. That's what this is, folks. It's a book of principles, the principles of God. That if we will follow, the Lord will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always be our guiding star. But we've got to learn to trust the word. 
And sometimes it's difficult to do. Sometimes it's hard to do. I'm sure that those, those guys try following that star across the desert, you know, had a lot of questions. Is this really going to take us to him? Is, it, is he really, really going to be there? This is a long journey. Uh, is it really going to happen? It's cold at night, the desert, hot in the daytime, in the deserts that way. It's, so they tell me. I've never, I don't know much about the desert, but only what I've read and what they tell me. But anyhow, it's cold at night. You know, they got all bundled up and then it's hot in the daytime. The sun beating down. They got put some kind of little umbrella over their head, I guess, keeping the sun. Anyhow, here they are traveling day and night, day and night, day and night, trusting and believing in the star that they're seeing at night. And they're following it. This is our star. And the Lord wants us to believe his word and trust his word and say, God, if you said it in your word, I believe it. I trust it. And I'll follow it with all of my heart. It is God's principles that he's established that if we will follow the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us in all these kind of things. Praise God. Uh, the Lord's word is powerful. Let me, uh, let me give you a word of, let me give you one from Psalm here. Look in Psalms, uh, Psalms 33 and verse 6. Psalms 33, 6. This is how powerful the word of God is. By the word of the Lord, this is 33, 6 of Psalms. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. God's word. And that's what this is, God's word. This is God's word here. This is God's word to man, to us. God's word in the beginning just spoke everything into existence. It says here, by the word of God, for the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9 in that same chapter, 33 here of Psalms, 33, 9. For he spake, it was done, he commanded, and it stood fast. If we were to read the first chapter of Genesis, it says in the beginning, you know, God said, let there be light. And then God said, let, you know, let the waters divide and the waters above. And it goes on down all through chapter one. God said, God said. Seven places it said that God said and it happened. It happened. And the earth was created. The earth was made. Everything came together. Praise the Lord. Simply based on the word of God. Now, if God made all the heavens and the earth with his word, that's all he had. That's all, that's all he used. I didn't say that's all he had. That's all he used. That's all he had to use. But it was his word. If God could make a physical universe and a physical earth and everything with his spoken word, then you and I can trust him for the word of God for our lives, that he will help us to get through every situation, every circumstance, every trial, every test, every heartache, every grief, everything we may be face, facing in this life, God will help us to get through it in his word. It's amazing how that over my years of serving the Lord, that I have just about found every answer I needed in the word of God. If I looked for it and I searched the scriptures, it was always somewhere in there. Always, it always amazed me. And sometimes God gave me answers when I wasn't looking for them. He just gave them to me. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and faith is our response to the word of God. How do I respond to his word? If I read it, okay, it's there. But how do I respond to it? Faith is saying, Lord, I believe it. Praise the Lord. I believe it. And when you believe, you act upon it. I'll live by it. I'll live for you. I'll serve you. I'll walk with you. I'll keep the commandments of the Lord. And God will always be faithful to us if we act upon 
our faith by keeping the word of God and doing what the Lord has taught us to do. Now, I, uh, I'm going to take a few of these and talk to you about it. The power of his word to us. And uh, if you look also in Matthew for just a moment, this is one that I love. Matthew, this is found in Luke as well. Luke 21, 33. This is in Matthew 24, 35. And it's almost word for word found in Luke 21, 33. But look in Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So his word is the most powerful thing in this world. And so you and I, praise the Lord, can take his word here, this word, and we can trust it, we can believe it, we can stand upon it, and God will never fail us and he'll be with us in all things. Now, let me talk to you about his protection. You know, will God protect us and keep us through difficult situations? You know, I'm living for God, I'm serving the Lord, I'm trying to be faithful, I'm trying to be a saint of God, a child of God, walk with the Lord. Uh, can I trust the Lord in all these kind of things? Look in Psalms uh, 34 for a moment. Let me just show, this is just one Psalm here. Psalms 34. And look at verse 7, 34, 7. And the Bible is full of these kind of verses. I've just picked out just a few here in this one, one Psalm. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Delivereth them. From what? Whatever. Whatever. Then he says in verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him that is in the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Everybody see that? Now, sometimes those things you may desire, you may, you may uh, think you need, but the Lord, Bible says he gives us the good things that we need. He don't always give you what you want, but he gives you what we need. Everybody with me on that? Praise the Lord. You may say, Brother Myers, God gives us, I want a Rolls Royce. Forget it, you probably, you probably won't ever get one unless you get real rich or something like that. I mean, you don't need a Rolls Royce, right? Praise the Lord. Just a good automobile that'll drive, that'll last, that'll hold up. Praise God. My old car is 12 years old. I love it. It's still going. Praise God. You know, Lord, and God will always be good and faithful to us if we're faithful to him. Let me move on here because I want to show you this. Look at verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them to fear him. Verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Praise the Lord. Any good thing. Look at verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. You've got your Bible and you've got a pen or something or you've got a paper to write these scriptures down. Put a ring around these verses. You never know when you're going through a trial and you want to look it up. And I in the fly leaf of my Bible, I, mean, I got, I don't I got several Bibles and they're all so ragged sometimes because I've marked them up. But in the fly leaf of my Bible, like here, you can't see it, but I, I write down scriptures and what it means just so that if I say, you know what? There's a scripture in there that says so-and-so, where is it? And I, and I can look in here and I can look it up. It's all about things that's important to me, you know. And there's things important to you. And you write them down so that you can look them up. Here's another one, the verse 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth him, delivereth him out of all 
their troubles, all their troubles. Put a ring around the word all. Look at verse 22. This is still in Psalms 34. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his saints, his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Oh man, that's powerful. And then we go in the, in the New Testament, you know, uh, Go, he says to the, to the, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Always I'm with you. Another place says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you nor forsake you. Those scriptures are there for the word of, in the word of God, letting us know that God is all there, always there, and he will always protect us, and he will provide for us, and he will bless us, and he'll be with us. Now, let me give you another, and I'm, uh, okay, I've got a few more. Let me give you another set of scriptures. I don't want to go over time. Uh, let's talk about God's financial blessings upon us. Did you know God's promised financial blessings in the word of God? And uh, let me give you some uh, verses in, 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 in to do with the financial. Look in Luke 6, 38. This is one of my very favorite. Luke 6, 38. And uh, this is one that I, I dearly love. I believe it with all of my heart, folks. Again, put a ring around this verse of scripture. If Acts 2.38 is right, this is right. Because it's in the same word. Amen, I'm serious. If Acts 2.38 is right, and it is, because it's in the word of God. You know, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Every bit of that, all of it's true. And just as I've quoted it, so can you quote it, most of you. This one is just as powerful as that. Only it's about finances, not about salvation. Here's what it says, verse 38, 638. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, this is Jesus speaking now. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Wow, I mean, that's not leaving anything out. A good measure, I mean, really heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye met with all, it shall be measured to you again. This is the word of God. And he said, if you're a giver... I'm going to bless you and you folks, I mean, I, mean I, I could probably skip all of this because you folks are such great givers in this church. I know you are, but you're also very blessed people. You, I know you are there. But if there's those here today that you're not quite sure, take a chance and trust the word of God. I'm serious, folks. It will never fail. It never has failed. It will never fail. And God has promised that he has keep his hand on us and all these kind of things. Praise God. Uh, I'm uh, going to read a verse of scripture also found in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Yeah, look at 9, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. This is Paul writing. But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. This is why, <laughs> and I love it, in case you don't know, 
But in the morning service, I guarantee you this is going to happen. When they come to receive the offering, you've got folks in the hand that start clapping in the church. You know what that represents? They're cheerful givers. That's what that means. They're cheerful givers. And they'll start clapping their hands. And others will start clapping their hands. When the usher does that something, where in the world do you see where they're going to receive an offering? And it's free will giving and you're going to give or tithes and offerings, whatever it is. And folks just clap their hands. Praise the Lord. But they understand that the blessings of God comes by us being free will givers and being a giving people. Praise the Lord. I'm serious. It works. And so he goes on to say here, verse seven, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He's able to do that. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. Man, you talk about promises on top of promises. They're all right there for us and God has given it to us that we might have that particular promise. Let me talk to you a minute about tithes. Let me show you what it says about tithes. And this is found in the last book in the Old Testament. In Malachi 3, it's only one verse. Just one verse I'm going to read to you. Even though there's other verses here that talks about it. Verse 10, 310 of Malachi. Bring you all the tithes into the store. Tithes is one-tenth of your income or one-tenth of your earnings or one-tenth of your blessings or your whatever you get in life. One-tenth. Praise the Lord. Some of you give one-fifth. You give 15. I know that 15%. I know that. And I know some who give 20% of your income. You give 20% to God's work. You may be 10, 10 to your tithes, but you give another 10 to other things. So I know all this goes on. Praise the Lord. And God blesses. He blesses abundantly. He blesses enormously. But 10 is what God requires. He says here, bring ye all the tithes. That's the 10th of your income into that storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me. God says, prove me. Now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that will, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Wow, those are powerful words. I used to hear these radio broadcasts and these guys were on the radio and they were uh, sort of a jig leg preachers, I call them. I don't know. But they're always asking for money, always wanting to send me the money. You know, one guy said, send me the green stuff and I'll send you the blue stuff. Blue stuff was a powder you could sprinkle around your house and it'd be, it'd be make your house holy. I mean, all kind of weird stuff. You hear this on the radio, you know, everything. Anyhow, but as always talking about, you know, do this and do that and do this and that. And the Bible, praise the Lord, talks about, you know, the tie things, giving to the work of God in that sense of the word. And so he says here, there shall not be room enough to receive it. This is God's prosperity packet. Somebody, I was going to mention, they said, you know, you send the green stuff, I'll send you God's, I'll send you a prosperity package. They call it prosperity package. That's what they call the blue stuff or whatever it was that you said before. This is God's prosperity package. Folks, I want to call you honey. Those of you guys are all just great people. This is God's prosperity package right here. I'm telling you, if you follow it, it'll work. It'll work because this is the guiding star. And you've got to have faith to follow it. You've got to have faith. If you don't have faith, 
I mean, if you're not going to follow it. But if you follow it, he says he loves a cheerful giver. If you're not cheerful, he'll still bless you. He just loves you if you do, if you are a cheerful giver. Because if you say, oh, I don't know if this is going to work or not, I'm going to do it anyhow. He'll still bless because he's bound by his word or he's right. committed himself to his word. Right. He's not bound by anything, but he's committed to his word. So he will bless us. Praise the Lord. It's all in the word of God. And God has promised that he'll never leave us. Nor forsake. One other verse of scripture I want to show you here. Proverbs 19, 17. Proverbs 19, 17. And uh, this is about giving to the poor. Look at this. I love this verse of scripture. 1970, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. You see that? You loan God money when you give to the poor. You loan God money when you lend. Lendeth to the Lord. And that which he hath given will he pay him again. In other words, you never... <laughs> You never give to God that God doesn't give it back to you. Praise the Lord. I gave this illustration not long ago, and I'll say it again for what it's worth. And it's just a little simple thing, you know. I saw this guy on the street, and he had a bad leg. He had a wooden leg or something, and he was on the street, you know, asking for money and need help. So sometimes there's people out there, I don't know what they're going to use it for, and I don't know what he was going to use it for. But I know they had a wooden leg, you know, and he said he was a vet and all that stuff. So I, I rolled down my window, stoplight, and gave him $5. Now went on, okay. I don't do that for everybody, but if I feel sort of led of the Lord, or I feel like this is a person just worthy of it, or, or whatever. I mean, you can't always judge everything. I just felt like I should. Later on, I dropped by McDonald's over here. I dropped by McDonald's to eat lunch, and a sister of ours was in there. Is that sister in here? Is she in here today? She was in that McDonald's working. And she says, Bishop Myers, how are you? I say, hey, so good to see you. They said, the other girls, I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to wait on him. What do you want? I said, you know, I want a fish sandwich, some French fries, and blah, blah, blah. And that's about it. And a drink. Fine, she says. Blah, blah, blah. It's be right out. I said, how much I owe you? She says, nothing. You don't owe anything. I said, really? No, she says, it's on, it's on the house. It's on me. I have a right to do it. It's not costing me anything. Nobody is on the house. Oh, I said, thank you. I went and sat down and ate it. Then she came and brought me a little pie, a little apple pie. This is also in the house. Oh, thank you. And I ate that and finished my drink. Then she brought me another pie. <laughs> said, take this home to, to, to Dr. Myers. Oh, I said, you're very kind. I walked out with a, with a meal I had eaten and with a pie in my hand. And I got to adding up what it was. I looked on the board. And it was about $11 and something. And I said, I gave that guy $5. And here before I even get to get home, somebody's already given me over $10 worth of stuff. And I, did, and I said, God, that's, that's the way you operate. I mean, it was a small thing, but God does it in big things. It doesn't matter how small or how big. I'm just saying, folks, God is faithful. And that's just finances. I've talked to you about his protection. I've talked about his about finances, about uh, tithes. Let's talk about church. Let's talk about church attendance. Amen. That's a tough one sometimes. Where everybody's working. Everybody's got things, things to do, places to go. Look in Hebrews. Look in Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. 
verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. That means encouraging each other. Go to church. Go where we go to, where we assemble together. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And if there's ever been a generation that we see the day approaching that the coming of the Lord is nigh, we need to be in the house of the Lord. Folks, I know a lot of things will pull your way and it will, sometimes you're just tired. Sometimes your company has come. Sometimes you got other things to do. No, 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 no. Just say no. I, I, my in-law used to show up on, a, <laughs> on Sunday a lot of times. And my wife would always say, you know, we go to church Sunday night. All right, just hey, make yourself at home. They just came in on Sunday afternoon and everything. This is my mother-in-law and father-in-law, great people. They've, on, they've gone on now and passed on, but they were great people. And they would just come to see us. They'd show up on a Sunday afternoon the way he drove in his style and everything. And uh, my wife would always say, you know, we're on our way to church. You know, we always go. They said, go right ahead. We understand. They knew that we did that. You know what I'm saying? They didn't expect any different. I'm just trying to say here, make going to church a priority. And if you will do it, and, and sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes it's a struggle to do it. But do it and God will bless you. Sometimes you go into the house of God and it's, it's, it's been a struggle to get there. But you get there and you say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you. And God blesses you for being there, for being in the presence of the Lord. And you never know what you will receive in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And how can we hear that without a preacher? How can he preach unless he be sent? So we've got to go to church. We hear that preacher preach. Sometimes you can be just, you know, go out and set the world on fire. And we barely come to church. Sometimes our taillights barely burning. We're just barely here. We sit down in the back. We just drag it in, you know. But that preacher gets to preach and the word of God comes forth. And the spirit of God starts moving and all of a sudden you're standing on your feet and you lift your hands and worship God. And you say, God, you're good. Everything's going to be all right. There's something about the house of God that nothing in the world is quite like it. Let's stand together and praise him right now. God bless you.